Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to uh, podcast number 136, or mm-hmm. episode, I should say, number 136, same podcast of the podcast, <laughs> God Beyond the Bible, the uh, created the podcast created by Seekers and for Seekers. And before we go into anything, uh, Trayson, give us just a little update of you have any idea how many countries were and you, you had told me here a few yeah. weeks ago that we were like up in the top 100 in so some of the countries we are um in well over 100 countries is the best that i can tell yeah because they don't give you a specific number right. yeah our podcast gets listened to around 2000 times every month wow. around the world and we are currently number 59 in the Religion and Spirituality podcast in Apple in Hungary. Hungary. So, yeah. So we are super glad to have you guys listening out there. I thought that yes. was so cool. And while you've got the floor, how about some sh- shout outs? Yeah. Our shout outs are going to be to Farah, to our listeners in Honolulu, and to our listeners in Sandy, Utah. Sandy, Utah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tabitha, you have a quote for us? Our quote this week is from Sherwood Eddy. Faith is not contrary to reason. <clears throat> I like that. Faith is not contrary. Okay. Well, very apropos. Is that a... Is that a <laughs> <laughs> uh, today's discussion topic is faith. Now, faith is defined in the New Testament in the, what is in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, uh, defined as... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I'm not sure if I've heard a hundred different lessons on that with a hundred different opinions of what that right. means. So let's let's define faith in terms that we can talk about it. Uh, the New Oxford American Dictionary. This is their definition of faith. A complete. There's two. This is two part. Part number one: a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And part two, a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Yeah. That's the new Oxford definition. Let's discuss the first. Let's take off by discussing the first part of the definition. How many things or people do we have complete trust and confidence in? Very few. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, you know, you want to say... <clears throat> you're very close family members, but at some point somebody has always disappointed you. I mean, you know, so I don't know that I can say 
I, I'm I not sure that I'm going to let you do a like a medical exactly. procedure on me. <laughs> in some that. aspects, I have complete faith and trust in people. But yeah, I'm not going to let them, I don't know. Give you a tracheotomy or anything. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, earned faith or, or earned trust or warranted trust and faith as opposed to blind faith. So this one is a little bit... <clears throat> easier for me because like I can put it in the um I had a work truck here recently I just had to switch work trucks I had that truck for about 10 years and for about eight of those years I had absolute faith that when I went out there and I turned the key the truck was gonna go it was gonna get me home by the end of the day but by the end of that truck's life I was reaching the point of well it might start. If it starts, it might get me home. I mean, you know, you start losing that. Because I think warranted trust is, it's earned. It is. It's earned through experience, past behaviors. I have lots of people I trust because they've proven themselves. Yes. Blind faith, I'm not always so good at. Okay. What are some situations where we're compelled to practice blind faith? I'm talking about in the real world. I'm not talking about now. We're not into the religious part of it yet. We're just I still talking to, about part one of of the definition, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I had to put complete blind faith in the doctor who performed my surgery last year because I didn't know him from anyone. I didn't uh-huh. know his track record. I didn't know anything. And so I just had to trust that he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. There's a lot of blind faith involved in flying, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, in flying in, again, the... When As you, you can hear that plane in the background yeah. <laughs> going over while we're... Good timing. <laughs> when you leave at 8.30 to get to your appointment by 9 o'clock, there's a lot of blind faith that everything's going to work out the exact way it's supposed well, to, to get I you think, there. I think that when you kids in public school, you put a lot of blind faith in the teachers and the mm-hmm. people that's going to keep them safe. I mean, that you really do it more than you realize. <clears throat> okay. If we change the definition from complete trust or confidence to a great deal or a high level of trust and confidence, does the list of people and things grow? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference in complete. That was the thing that I stumbled on on that definition. Complete. Right. I can't tell I can't be sure that I've ever had absolute complete trust or faith in any person or anything mm-hmm. that they couldn't disappoint me or that they couldn't let me down sure. or they were not capable of it. Now, if you ask me, would that person ever intentionally do anything that would harm you or did? No, no, no. I know a lot of right. people that wouldn't intentionally, but there, there's a big difference in that. So maybe I'm just making too much. Maybe I'm too wordy and making too much out of the word. I complete, felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, complete. Uh, before we put it into terms of God and religion in daily life, how do we develop Faith in people and things. Describe the process because this is important to where we're wanting to go here when we get over into the real. So, just in the general world, how do we? Tracy talked about that truck that always started and had always did everything for, for eight, was, eight of those that 10 was years. my example. So, I'll let Tracy go with hers. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's by trial. If someone tells me they're going to have something done by 5 p.m. And they consistently have whatever it is done at the time that they say it's going to be done. I really start building that faith and trust that I can depend on this person to always have it done. However, it goes the other way, too. If it's not done by 5 p.m., one time you're like, eh, things happen. But the second or the third, that 
faith starts eroding mm-hmm. quickly. What about you, Tabitha? You get anything there that you want to add to that one? No. I'm so am I hearing <clears throat> that faith or trust, in, and according to they're the same thing, according to any dictionary mm-hmm. you look at, they're pretty well the same thing. Uh, faith means complete trust or or, tr- or a, some level of trust or confidence in someone or something. Am I hearing that our, we build faith and trust in things and people by observing consistent behavior? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Observing consistent behavior. Let's get that in our minds. That's what I came with. That's what my mind said. Okay, if I'm observing consistent behavior in people, even when they know I'm not watching, <laughs> even when someone else is telling me mm-hmm. that they're doing this while I'm not, then I start building a level of level of trust and faith mm-hmm. in those people. Okay. With that, observing con- consistent behavior, do we tend to apply the same standard when it comes to God and religion? No. I don't, why or why I don't not? think we do. Why or why not? Now, we say that in the real world, it's watching consistent, observing consistent behavior that causes us to build trust and faith in people. And and, and even, even in things, you know, even in something. But in church... You were asked to just believe and not question. Whether sure. you understand it, whether you get it, whether but you gotta just have faith that is no matter how contradictory what you hear is, no matter how outrageous and that's why I did the quote that I did, the faith is not contrary to reason. God is real to me. The spirit is real to me because of my past experience I can look back and see that he has always been faithful not because of what a book tells me yeah. not because of anything other than my own past experience but, 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 but I will but, say that when you you know for myself at least when I tried to have faith in God via how many times he would end the situation in my favor it really sets you up for disappointment but that's not where I am now it used no. to, it was, what is God doing for me? How is he going to fix this? Now it's just that he's there. So, especially in the prosperity religions, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which is what most of them are. Yes. Most all of them. The Jew, the Jewish religion was that. Uh, the Catholic religion is that. Do our stuff. Do it like we tell you. Bad stuff won't happen to you. It'll avoid bad stuff. And in the end, we'll get you where you need to be. And uh, uh, Christian religion has greatly gone to that. It's implied. We've talked about this before. It's implied. If it's not right straight Mm -hmm. flat out said from the pulpit it's implied that do this and this and this attend church regularly do that and things will all be okay Mm -hmm. and we see we just had this discussion in the book of job that we just that we uh just Mm -hmm. finished up but let's be honest from the prosperity religions doctrine and dogmas where you're supposed to build faith in god and trust in god and that trust is to built on observing consistent behavior do we see consistent behavior from god that's consistent with what the church is telling us no no we do not and that just sets everyone up for pain a big disappointment hurt i mean it's it's god angry with me why is he not so i guess the answer is do we apply the same standard when it comes to god and religion as we do to other things we put our faith and trust in the answer is no no do you think that the lack of concrete evidence when it comes to God and religion now don't everybody's flare up and get now I'm talking we're talking about we're 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 trying to say why is it we apply one set of rules for trust and faith 
in one area of our life right. and we apply a different set of rules for another. So uh, do you think the lack of concrete evidence when it comes to God and religion is a factor in the Christian religion's attempt to make the Bible divine and infallible? Does that make any sense? Does that question make any sense? I think it does because I think that... See, they have nothing, you know, basically... It's almost like they've made the Bible their textbook. We're going to learn the rule about book. the rule book. This is what you got to do. I've heard it called the rule book, the playbook. <laughs> the And now, even though I grew up feeling that way and I grew up thinking that, no, the answer, even though I never could find it, the answer to whatever I was going through well, had to be right there in but the you always, But you always felt like maybe you weren't spiritual enough or smart enough Absolutely. to see the answer. yeah. Because, yeah, I always felt because so dumb. I got an answer, but when I read over here 40 pages over, I got an inconsistent answer. Mm-hmm. And we like things, you know, part of the attachment to the Bible as, as humans, we like those things that we can see, touch, hear. We like the concrete, physical things. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to try and make the Bible that real physical link to God, but again it really sets us up for a lot of disappointment because we're not creating any kind of a relationship you're just reading these vicarious yeah stories about people who had a relationship when what we are told to believe is the character of god does not play out in real life experience the result is often called a faith crisis now we've did some episodes on this but discuss the faith crisis and how it may either develop into an abandonment of our faith or, in some instances, a spiritual awakening. You want to do yours? No, you go ahead. Okay. So, my faith crisis was a lot of questions. I mean, it really did. It started with questions and it went something like So, why did God make us with the ability to sin? And if God's really all-knowing, why did he put that tree there if he knew Adam was going to sin? I mean, couldn't we have skipped all of that? Why am I being blamed for a sin that Adam committed? And why would God make me if he can't stand to look at me unless he's looking at me through his son who he killed so that he could stand to look at me? Maybe this is really all made up and God doesn't even exist and this is all just ridiculousness. Or maybe there is a God and the problem is how I'm reacting to him. Well, or you'd have no clear picture of who, any kind of clear picture of who he really is. Because one day he's all happy and everything's smile and lollipops and roses. And the next day he, for some reason, now he's angry and... He splits the world open and swallows <laughs> up 5,000 yeah. people. I mean... Uh, did you have one on that, Tabitha? No, it's okay. Asking hard questions i think what this comes down to is that we ask the hard questions when we do finally build up the courage to ask the hard questions and we're dissatisfied with the standard answers Mm -hmm. that's usually when we're either going to break from the church and some people i have talked to people say well i used to believe i just don't believe in any of that anymore i don't believe now they don't tell me if they have a level of spirituality or a belief in this thing that we call god they i don't pressure them to that point because they're usually going through but i mean some people seem to just walk away sure from all of it's just too complicated it's too hard you can't there's nothing concrete and and go back to what tracy said god created us we we discern things with logic we're logical 
Now, don't get me wrong. Our logic is based on a lot of different things, what we believe about things and how we believe things work. But should religion, should God be outside our ability to logically discern him? No, I don't think so. He didn't give us that logic put it in us for us to just throw it by the wayside and go, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that. Don't question it. It is what it is. Just yeah. move on. The second half of Oxford's definition of faith is, now we've already established that uh, we don't use the same standard right, to build trust that we do in other areas of our life. Uh, the second half of Oxford's definition of faith is the strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. What do you think the phrase based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof means? Okay, that one is a little weird for me. When I think of apprehension, I think of nervousness, of kind of not knowing. But then I got to thinking maybe that's what always fueled my quote air quotes faith in God was that nervousness of knowing there has to be something so if I believe in him hopefully everything's gonna be okay well, I mean that funny sounds silly but that's how it, I feel is the spiritual apprehension though the same as fear is using well, fear is I it, had is it, to is look like... up the definition of apprehension because I'm like <laughs> you had to look up the definition of the definition I, I did I did and apprehension is the fear of something bad happening so it's like if you don't believe in God, then your life is going to turn into one big dumpster fire and then you're going to go to hell at the end of all of it. I mean, that's kind of how the, I feel. The dumpster fire never goes out. Yeah. Well, and can we be honest? I mean, I think at some point the three of us around this table, probably that was the extent of our faith. We've made no, we've made no, uh, uh, you know, we we haven't misled anyone in how we think. And we think that the unfortunate part of the Christ, modern organized church, the Christian religion is, mm-hmm. is that it is, it is, uh, it, 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 it's packaged with fear. It's sold with fear. Yes. It's maintained with fear. All of it is apprehension. It's all just apprehension. It's not based on fact. It's based and on guilt. the fear of what might happen. Well, that goes, guilt and shame <clears throat> goes guilt. with all yeah. that. Guilt and shame fits in all that. Okay. This is where the rubber meets the road. (laughs) Throughout the Bible are accounts of God giving physical proof of himself to people. Jesus clearly gave the people proof of his connection to the divine with miraculous healings and such. We're told that we should have the same level of faith as those who witnessed, actually witnessed this proof, merely by reading these ancient accounts. What are your comments on that? Maybe it's just myself and the generation that I'm from but it's hard for me to have that level of faith when with all of the technology that we have now we can't even get our history books right from 20 years ago well and let's face it I think that we are so caught up in this bible being infallible this is where we go to to find out well, about we, god we've put all of our eggs in that basket speaking for the christian religion that, yeah. has put all of its eggs in that one we basket we aren't looking for those miracles we're not looking around us for jesus to make himself and i think that he makes himself known to us a lot and we just don't see god, it the divine god I the most he's high, still I, doing what he did back then 
right now. When you make why, why every would, mystery. Why would, why would he not? Exactly. And you know the only reason they tell us that he would not is because we have that book and that book is everything. Mm-hmm. And and so there's no need for him to do anything else. He gave us everything. And that's just so irrational. It is. When you look at every mystery that you encounter in life, and if it's something that can't be concretely explained and you say, well, that's evil or that's demonic or that's, yeah. you're really kind of limiting what God can mm-hmm. show you. You are. Uh, yeah, I think I found in my life that the divine is still doing everything that he always did. But see the, do you think the problem is that, well, we'll just, we'll just talk about, let's, let's go to our non-expert opinion. Let's just, (laughs) let's just close with this. In your opinion, do you think it is possible that God is as willing as ever to give proof of himself, but the Christian religion's obsession with making the Bible the sum of all of God's activities on earth forever as well as his interaction with men, has limited the divine's opportunity to give proof of himself in our modern age, especially. Yes. Yeah. How am I, I mean, supposed to show myself to you when you exactly won't look? exactly what Tracen said. God is spiritual. And when we make everything spiritual that doesn't pertain to the Bible wrong, yeah. then we're not... We're not getting to experience him. I mean, it's because we want to give God physical characteristics and he is well, not a physical being. And and that's that's yeah. collective ego that not yes. wanted because that collective ego is that everyone else is wrong. What we're telling you is right. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is wrong. And if they don't tell you what we're telling you, they're wrong, i.e. they're evil. Exactly. But then we turn around <laughs> when we need God to answer a prayer or something and then we want to make him spiritual again. Sure. Okay, now perform this miracle, remove this, you know, thing from my life. But in your day-to-day life, when you're not asking for those things, we don't look for the amazing little moment. And I think a lot of that is is because, there again, we're, 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 we're told this inconsistent thing. He's inside us, but yet he's somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And... When we need him, he's somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Call for him somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And he'll come. I mean, we've all heard this. I've been in church groups where the, we're going to pray God down. We're going to pray down the spirit. Well, wait a minute. Just last week, he preached a message and told me God was in me. Mm-hmm. Now, this week, you're telling me I need to. Am I the only one that always appeal to him that? and get him to come and meet me? It's like everybody's roping a little piece of God and starting to pull him down into the room against his will. I mean, that's what it feels like. If you have to pray him down, it's, nope, nope, you're not going to get me down there. Nope. Well, of enough of you. Well, there's a hundred of you. That's uh-huh. enough that I I guess I'm going to have to, uh, yeah. I'm coming. And we're not making fun. We're just trying. This whole thing has been about faith. It's been about mm-hmm. logical faith and illogical faith. And uh, uh, everybody says, well, you can't put logic. Faith and logic can't go together. But in every respect, uh, remember where we came from in this discussion. Mm-hmm. In every respect, the things we have faith and confidence and trust in, it's proven, right? Yeah. By We've witnessed it over and over, and that's caused us to have that confidence. But yet, when it comes to God, religion, we don't apply the same method. And is it because we're afraid he will fail? Because I know that he won't. Yeah. I know that he hasn't. As I've applied personally and just made it my personal... I've been I've not been disappointed. I was disappointed always in the church where God's what I was told was the character of God and what I was seeing was inconsistent. Mm-hmm. 
or it would be this way one time and another way another time. And I don't, I think, you know, and then they'll turn around and quote, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's the same, then shouldn't he be speaking to us exactly. just like he did yesterday, mm-hmm. just like Very he did 2,000 years ago? Shouldn't he be interacting with his creation? But they say, oh, no, not anymore. When that that is complete has come, and they say, that's the Bible. We've got the, we've got the complete Bible now. We don't need. <laughs> so we don't even really need God anymore, do we? We just need the book. We just need that book. Mm. That's anyway. Well, as always, until next time, may the unconditional grace, peace, and love of the Most High be on, in, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word. Or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com. Or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.